got with me today, Ty Williams. He's a firefighter, among other things. And today we're going to talk about climate change, socialism, and communal living. Let's get started on the easiest of which, communal living. What are your beliefs? Um, well, I don't know. I've been, I've been like toying with a lot of things lately, um, and I've been really intrigued by uh, the idea of a lot of cooperatives that are happening right now. What would be um, the benefit of that over a nuclear household? Uh, well, I think some things are that nuclear households uh, really require a strong, like, two-person uh, unit of people, and then you have to have the find the perfect two-person unit of people um, who are going to be able to raise kids and uh, take care of their family, and it sort of denies this whole like community aspect of how we uh, are should be living. Up until opinion. about a hundred years ago, we were more like that, you mm -hmm. know. And I think, I think in a lot of places, like, it's still, uh, that's still how things are. Just to have it said, the Hispanic community is much more family-based, and, and they seem, um, they seem a lot happier. They seem like they're not, they're less disconnected. Like, a lot of people with the average nuclear household are almost disconnected from a lot of friends. Like, like, you were taught that you're kind of more or less a failure if you go back and spend time with your parents after college. Mm -hmm. that's messed up yeah yeah it totally is it's, it totally is it's, it's and like, no one talks about it <laughs> yeah uh last year i was living in ecuador for uh around six months or so and something that's like really interesting there is um most kids there don't leave their house until they get married whoa um, and so i had that a, makes sense thinking I had about a it 28 year old host brother who was wildly successful he made more money than his parents he was a mechanical engineer who was designing uh buildings in the capital city of quito and he was uh he was still living at home yeah and i like it and then eventually because i mean you could almost see it as parents are like the the angel investors of you. They, you know, <laughs> oh, no. like if you really think oh, about it. I don't it. want to think about and it like so, that. So later in life, it feels it feels you know like the reciprocity of it. You should kind of help help them with what you do with your life, you know. But it's really made like society's almost disconnects you from your parents, and then as soon as they die, they're like, man, you should have spent more time with them, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think I think society like simultaneously disconnects you from your parents but i also think an even bigger concern for me is like ownership of children that is given to parents ah yeah um, and and so what i mean by that is that like um parents have like pretty much the sole authority over like what their kids do mm -hmm. and like obviously there are uh times when that can like authority can be infringed a little bit um with uh when like you know if you get reported to cps or something like that mm -hmm. but i also think that um the way I see it oftentimes is like parents are like, this is my child and my child is going to be raised the way I want it mm -hmm. instead of like, okay, there's a lot of adult mentors here who can um, be able to support people. And I think, I think this especially comes up um, as a concern when uh, I was talking to a friend uh, from school and they were talking about the way that, um, you know, they were kind of estranged from their parents um, after they came out um, as trans and yeah. then it became really really hard to like get along with their parents and they found like strong mentors outside of their immediate like parent household who were much better as at like raising these people and giving them like skills and helping them to like grow and live in the world so what would it realistically look like here one second i'm gonna try to get this there's a oh my gosh there's a fly getting around when we open the door for him to get in let's just ignore it. let's just ignore it for now <laughs> if it ever gets close enough i'll try to get rid of it um but the studio is going to actually be moved very soon so these kind of issues with there was a puppy in the studio when with the recent talk that i'm going to put out in a couple months but um 
that was a whole whole distraction. I'm sorry about that, man. That's why I try to take everything away from people. <laughs> well, well, so, so what would a good non-nuclear household look like? I mean, are, do you sleep at the same place every night? Oh, see, that's that's where I've been like trying to figure this out. So, um, I think to a certain point, uh, it requires density, um, like living density, mm -hmm. um, to be greater, but also. Uh, for us to be like the places that we live to be more accessible to constantly be in contact with other people. What does that mean? Um, exactly. You said that sentence really quick. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think the places right now that are highest density are mm -hmm. things like apartments. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But if you think about apartment style living, how many people who live in apartments are like well mm -hmm. connected with everybody else who lives Absolutely. in their apartment? None. Very, very few. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think like. So it needs to be high density, but also more connected. So like a big shared living space, kind of like a dorm, but dorms are still a little bit. I never lived in a dorm. I'd be talking out my ass <laughs> if I actually try to comment on this. Um, similar to a dorm or, or, or what kind of situation? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I think like the classic suburban household is house is uh, unsuited for that. I don't know what the optimal like house would be. You're attacking the system. You don't necessarily know where to go if it is attacked. Yeah, I, but I think that's okay. <laughs> that's so funny. I think yeah, that's no, okay. Absolutely. Um, in a way, I mean, I feel like if you're trying to, to, to tear down something, which we'll get into more with the socialism and especially climate change, um, if you're attacking something, you got to give a solution because that's, I'm going to take the opposite side. That's how people like Trump get where they are, where they keep pushing things further and further. They give a problem without a solution and you say, it doesn't really help anything. It just pushes the boundaries further where it's like, okay, if you're going to attack something that's in place for a long ass time. You know, you should at least give a have a have some sort of rationale behind what you would change it to. So, so you you're now in charge of a hundred people, but money is not a problem. How would you structure it? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> oh man! Okay, now I now I just don't know what to do. Uh, I think I okay. One thing that I've been looking into a lot, um, mm -hmm. and that I don't have the greatest familiarity with, is um, certain cooperatives that have been building. Um, and working with, uh, working like some, sometimes in the United States and sometimes abroad, um, like a sort of like a commune, but less, uh, removed from society, okay. might I say. Like um, you still go to the grocery store. Potentially. Or you have your own, uh, like non-capitalist grocery store. Yeah. Um, yeah. In <laughs> non-binary grocery store. No, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Like a, like a multi, multi-commune collection. Potentially, I think just more like recognizing connectivity yeah. rather than like using the commune to be a way, a place to step away from society. Because mm -hmm. society, way, society, man, it, we're going to talk about that a lot. <laughs> this is the, the society based talk. So, <laughs> so people oh, no. have to get used to it. But, but yeah, okay. So you get a little bit connected to it, but for the most part, you're removed. Yeah. I cut you off there. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the really intriguing examples that I've been, uh, looking at a little bit more um and i would encourage anybody who's listening uh to uh check out cooperation jackson in jackson mississippi which is a uh cooperative um that has been uh, celebrated and and created by uh, a, a black socialist movement in jackson um and one of the what the basically the way it works is that they buy land um in the first place and they put it into a land trust. Um, and I'm, I'm not an expert on, okay, on no, this, um, but I'm, I am going to say what I know. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and they have put it into a land trust and 
that means that it's not no longer on the speculative market. It means that the v property values aren't going to go up. It means people aren't going to get priced out. And so then you, you, you can build affordable housing. Nice. Um, and so um, along with that, uh, then you can kind of build a place where people can live um, without having to like constantly be working for their own survival, um, but working for community survival, if that makes sense. I like it. Um, and which is how it always used to be. And that's the disconnect that a lot of people have right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and so, okay. So getting back to the, yeah. what, what does the structure look it like? It would look a lot like the commune, that commune. Potentially, potentially. Okay. I like so how that's do you, would you raise cool kids based on like one parent? Like, okay, so you have a group of kids every couple of, every year, really. You have new and new kids growing <laughs> in. Um, does one person or like a group of people teach all the kids of all the ages, just like core principles and beliefs, or do they get some sort of like structured curriculum, or, or where does it go from there? I mean, I still think education and schooling is like hyper important. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not uh, but I think just in terms of like parenting, it's not, uh, parents aren't dictating everything that the child does it's there are more like community decided like here's here are, like options or possibilities because i think kids from a pretty young age like have things that they're interested in that often gets shut down absolutely 100 into by their parents and here's the interesting thing about that is i've been thinking along this line a lot more lately you really are your thoughts so if you've been told your whole life like I mean, you're not your thoughts, but you, you, what you, what people tell you kind of manifests. It's like, oh, you're smart. You start thinking you're smart and then you start acting based on thinking you're smart, which manifests into you being smarter. So like if your parents tell you, oh no, you can't do X, Y, or Z, you generally won't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so if you have a whole, to think about. if you have a whole community of people, you can kind of crowdsource what you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you could go, so your main parents tell you like, no, you can't draw. But then you go over to this other household and maybe they do draw and be like, oh my God, this is super good. That's exactly what my drawings look like at that age. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of like when I was in the first grade, I decided that I was the worst drawer in class. <laughs> and so I never drew ever in any art class again. And now I have the drawing ability of a bad first grader. <laughs> right? I mean, it really, what you're told as a kid, it sticks with them. Yeah. Um, I think Jordan Peterson tells people, pretend like you're a loaded gun whenever you're around kids because anything you could say will affect them for the rest of their life. Like, you really just have to say very broad, positive things whenever you're around kids. Don't say anything like, eh, because it'll just, it'll like cut them, you know, or it'll just like, whew, kids are very delicate, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, but okay, so so to get kind of back, this is one of my mo more structured yet unstructured talks. The Wi-Fi went out. That's scary. Um, <laughs> so in a system, let, we're let's in pretend void that now. We, we're actually moving from the back <laughs> forward. So that would be the, how the new system would work, kind of. Kind of. If it, if you broke it down, and you're trying to break it down, you're trying to fight capitalism, quote unquote, and change it to socialism, which would more facilitate community living. Or how does that work? Oh, well, I mean, there's like a myriad of forms of socialism. So I, I don't want to like essentialize what what socialism is. Um, I think uh, one thing that is a core tenant of moving away from capitalism is not centering capital um, and meaning that uh, we're not making it so that people are wholly reliant on the market for survival. Absolutely. Um, and so but completely overthrowing that system isn't the answer like yeah maybe things like your house your food your education and your health care should definitely be covered 
by this single payer system. But other things like, I mean, competition is what's pushing technology forward, you know? Potentially, but also if you think about it, potentially, potentially, <laughs> I mean, I, I think the university system has produced as much research as most capital systems um, and corporations. Um, and if you think about like vaccines, where did that come from? The university system, if you think about uh, advances in agriculture, where did that come from? That oftentimes it was the university system. And so these are still uh competitive academic places mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily like saying okay your only worth is you being able to produce this as fast as possible and i think uh i think having systems i don't think that's what the current system is i think it's very dangerously okay so it's capitalism what okay, you're what no, you're no, told no, no, as no, a 20 say, say more say more okay what you're told as a 20 year old is you're pretty much worth money Money is value and your time money is time and energy. So I'm really going to get into this on a Tuesday talk with the venture capitalist firm person. Um, we're actually doing a podcast. I'm pumped about it. So I view money as time and energy and there's short term money games you can play, which is selling your time to get a paycheck, a physical payment, like a physical certificate of your time and energy spent at the end of the month. That's a paycheck from you putting in your time and energy now selling it to someone else. That doesn't work very well. And that's what, yeah, that's what the education system right now tells, encourages, and, and has people do. But there's, it, it's like a CD where the longer term wealth creation games you play, the higher percent interest you get. So this podcast, per se, is a long-term wealth creation game where I put it down. It's like laying a brick. And yeah, you can't live in a house just by having a couple dozen bricks. But over the course of five or 10 years, this will become something that I can live in because I'll have a thousand podcasts and I'll have a book and, a, you know, all these different things, these these things. And it's people are like, oh, that's easy for you to say. I spent three years working my ass off on something that has no promise of making money and I'm not going to get money from for years to come. So if, if like going into it, I felt just how most people do at the beginning of communism, capitalism, socialism, capitalism sucks. But if you, if you see it as a game and you can still win the game doing what you love, I love doing podcasts and it's getting to a place where I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life. I wasn't here four years ago. I was rooting for communism, stuff like that. Um, but then I started laying down the foundation of, of skills that are, are highly, you couldn't replace me. You couldn't find someone else who knows audio engineering, video engineering, and like all my interests and stuff that I can talk about with guests and the, the networking. It's you got to build yourself, create yourself as something that you can't, that can't be replaced and has value to the world. And I don't know, it's a lot. So I'm playing long, like long-term wealth creation games. But I think why people are so fed up is you, your whole life, you're told there's only, there's only short-term wealth creation games. You have to sell your money today to get a paycheck at the end of the month. And that's just not how it is. And of course, yeah, like that's essentially instead of laying down bricks to build a house that you live in eventually, it's like throwing up plywood on a beach. It's like, yeah, you can live there this month, but as soon as you stop working or adding to the house, it's going to fall apart. And people say, that's a fucked up system. That's a really messed up system. And it is to an extent, but I think we just need to change the way that people are structuring their creative output, which is, which is going to make automation a beautiful thing. I just talked at you for so long, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... I mean, you're, you're talking about like investing in like these long-term wealth creation yes. schemes like podcasts um, or like these creative outlets that aren't going to make you money in the short term, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and if you think about it, why are you able to do this? It's Because your family. Because <laughs> your family yep. who, and you have the wealth at this moment uh, from your family, blah, 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 blah. 100%. To be able to pursue these creative means. 
there's so, so many people in this world who don't have the access, who need to do short-term wealth creation games mm -hmm. um, in order to be able to... Um, get to this place. Yeah, like get here. Um, and, and, and be able to provide for their own food and their own health care and their own uh, personal safety and to have... Uh, somewhere they can live and so you have to like this a system the system right now forces us into or a lot of people um because it's built uh it forces us into trying to engage in these like short-term wealth creation um schemes in order to i 100 agree with you thus far yeah short short term mm -hmm. and so if we have a system that is first looking to the needs of people um, and providing for those basic needs, then it enables a lot more people to be able to um, engage in art and engage in creative outlet. Yep. Um, then I you're think you're thinking UBI kind of base thing. Um, along those, kind, but instead kind of. of universal basic income being money, universal basic needs met. You kind of yeah. N M <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. new thing yeah right where it's like cool you don't have to work on but then it's like I don't know there's this old mentality from the old guard where it's like well you have to pay your way and I agree with that like. You do have to some sort of pay a debt to pay your debts to society, like to keep the roads maintained and all these things. You do have to put some sort of work out, but but the current system, we're just like I don't know. There's all these closed loops where you start working for something, just to create a problem that another loop has the solution to. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's like the, there's a the classic socialist mantra that's um, uh, from each uh, or to each according to their needs from each. Uh, Oh my goodness! My I always heard the like, socialist mantra was it really it works really well until you run out of other people's money. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! I am just spacing out. Uh, please forgive me. I've been working so outside all day, and my brain is fried. That's hilarious. Uh, but so you think you think socialism is a good system to have in place? Because I'd argue that it maybe isn't. Um, I I don't. I'm not going to say that I know the perfect system. I'm going to cool. say that the current system that we have is broken. Is flawed. And, uh, Primarily because of crony capitalism. It's not capitalism. It's the fact that the people who make laws can be bought out by corporations. Crony capitalism is the problem. If, if, that's why in Sam's talk, I talk about the, the AI, something that couldn't be bought out to make decisions Fascist that go Hitler. against more. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that has a negative. But, but you know oh, what I mean? mean like, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Robot Hitler. Robot Hitler. But if it, yeah. couldn't, if it couldn't get bought out, like, it would be able to. And just as long as you, I don't know, I'm, I'm ranting here. <laughs> I think it would work well. I think capitalism works really well, except for the fact that corporations can buy out politicians to change laws to benefit those corporations. I mean, capitalism is to date, in my opinion, the most dynamic system that we've ever seen yeah. on the earth. It moves so fast. It, uh, like, one of the things is, like, almost every, like, major, um, who we, like, the peoples who, who we consider, like, the socialist philosophers. Like, if you think about Karl Marx, Karl Marx was in awe of the ability of capitalism to cool. move dynamically and be super, super fast. And it just like produce, 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 produce. But sometimes that's not necessarily what's necessary, and it's not, and it's not distributing that wealth to people in necessarily a great way. Mm -hmm. um, and especially now, where we're at in society, where um, our resources are becoming not necessarily more limited, but we're starting to do damage to uh, natural resources in a lot of areas. Um, we we need a system that doesn't necessarily focus on like mass production and just finding new places to um, create wealth. Because one 100%. of the one of the things about 
capitalism is it requires constant growth. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, some people say it's like 3% or, um, if you, if you have any negative growth in your society, um, or even like 1% growth, it's considered stagnant. You're like practically in a recession. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about all that. I think people realize that decompression times are necessary, like the early 2000s, 2008. I think there's, there's different debt cycles. Yeah. Um, But then, but then you think about it, like what happens in those debt cycles? you end up destroying a bunch of people's lives, particularly poor people in black and brown communities and indigenous communities. So uh, you think in 2008, the primary people who got hurt in 2008 were black and brown communities and indigenous people in 2008. I think a a lot in, in, I think people in 2008, none of those people were invested in the system that was propped up and the system that then fell only hurt white collar people who all the people who were killing themselves were were wall street brokers oh no 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 is no, my understanding no. <laughs> that in in 2008 the people who were hurt the most were the people who were affected by the subprime mortgage crisis and who were uh laid off and who basically found themselves without housing because they uh nobody was giving or like all of their loans were defaulting and they became the victims of well all so of let's this. break that down you're blacker you're just a person who in 2007 bought a house that was worth $500,000 and you own $50,000 worth of equity, that doesn't seem sustainable to me. That seems unrealistic, which brings us into people shouldn't be able to own property. <laughs> did, did I write that? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I don't think property is uh, something that we should own. Um, permanently permanently yes I, I think that people should be able to occupy work on property i think um but i think contract property um where we are giving uh people deeds to houses and they're giving that to their children and they're like privatizing this land leads to a lot more exploitation of lands um than uh like basically preservation for the future absolutely um, and for future communities here um, but yeah, uh, but i like uh, and, and I understand how people could see like flaws in that, obviously, um, because we always like talk about things like tragedy of the commons, um, where, you know, like if if you don't own your property, does that mean you're going to exploit it more? Um, and I don't think that's the case. Um, but uh, I also think that it, it is like you don't a think that's big the case? risk. You're, you're you treat your house just as good as if you're renting or if you own it. Maybe you do, but the mo- most people don't. I'll, I'll put oil down a sink. Of a house, like grease from from food. I'll put grease down a sink of a house that I'm renting, but not a house that I'm owning. Please, future renters, don't kill me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. Like, like you you will take those extra precautions. Like, shit, no, I'd have to pay for the repercussions of putting grease down the sink if I own this house. But if I'm renting it, I really won't, unless you really take that extra thought into realizing it. Yeah, I think I think a major issue, in my mind, is that uh, we in the way that we currently own property. Um, or and the and the whole rental system um, is based on somebody else owning your property, right? Um, yeah. And so if we think about it, that we all occupy these properties as communities, um, then maybe we're taking care of it for our community, um, and and perhaps that would lead to some change in uh, in, in our behaviors. Yeah, behaviors. Um, yeah, absolutely. I can't guarantee that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like, r- like rent seeking, um, and people and like landlords, yeah. um, are, do a lot of harm by trying to, uh, extract as much wealth, um, from their, the people who are occupying their lands and them owning extra property beyond what's already theirs yeah. leads to the exploitation of a lot of other people to, to play devil's advocate. 
there is a use of that is for people who come from places where they can't remain living at their parents, so they have to move out on their own and sell their time for money before they can play these longer-term wealth creation games, they need a place to rent it out from. And so people who have played wealth creation games and now can, can buy a house and try to rent it for as cheap as they can while dealing with um, like getting a new roof on it and getting all the, like, these costs, like renting has a purpose. You know, it wouldn't be in place if there was if it, if it wasn't useful and, and valid. Oh, I, I'm not denying the fact that in where we are at today, you have to rent in so many cases. Yes. I cannot afford to buy a house. I don't believe we have a friend who just bought a house and yeah. it blew me away. It like I, I like I, I heard that. Uh, he was getting married and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like lots of people are age get married. And then mm. I heard he was buying a house and I was absolutely like floored because I just had no conception of like being able to do that. And mm -hmm. like, I am certain that for me, I'm going to need to rent for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that renting and the way that landlords work is it's an exploitation uh, or an extraction of our own wealth. And you're, you work every month to pay your landlord, who's then getting a profit off of that, um, rather than. But they're spending time upkeeping the property and making sure, like finding people to rent it out from. Like they, they're yeah. But are they spending not. the amount of time that uh, somebody? So, let's break it down. Say your rent's six hundred, and you're getting paid fairly, so you're getting twenty dollars an hour. So three days of work pays for you to survive for the other three. Here, here we go. I'm on your side. I think that the current system is pretty much indentured servitude. I'm just propping up the, the opposing argument because it would be no, it, it'd make no sense for us to just agree with each other and just steamroll into whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, or, or I mean, or we could, and we could just figure out <laughs> but, how do we move forward. But the people here. who are listening who need to hear this most will turn off if they're like, oh, okay, that's a bunch okay. of fucking that's leftist that's propaganda. Fair. It's like, hey, you know, like, you need to you need to at least give them, like, well, this is the current, like, the current system's valid. If we get to the bottom of this, I think the current system's valid. I think it definitely needs to be tweaked, for sure. I think a complete upheaval of it doesn't make any sense. To, to actually wrote down some things, you seem to think that climate change is this huge problem, and that throwing away the system we have currently right now is the solution to fixing climate change. I would posit that climate change is an issue, but is not as big as people make it seem to be. And throwing up the current system, the current system is definitely working. So here's a couple, here's a couple of good things. Costa Rica doubled its forest to cover over the last 30 years. Forests now account for 52% of the country's land surface area, up from 26% in 1983. Almost every country in the European Union has seen its forest increase in the past 25 years. 3M, you know, MMM, the big public trade company, mm -hmm. has apparently reduced their carbon emissions from 2002 levels by over 60% while growing their business. Britain is rapidly phasing out coal. Um, in an infographic that I saw, it was like in 2012, is over 50% um, each month, and now it's less than 10% most months and 0% in a couple months, which is cool. The biggest coal plant in North America has been converted to solar panels. Carbon emission in the UK is the lowest they've been since 1998. These, these can go on, you know? Like the ozone layer, the hole in the ozone is getting better each year. Like things aren't as bad as they make it seem, man. There's no need for climate change guilt. But here's the opposing side of that. If no one was pushing that it's a big problem, nothing would change. So I understand why. But you don't have to be so emotionally invested and get this climate change guilt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I mean, like, there are places yes. where things... Are improving. Yeah, um, absolutely. One of what I thought was up until last year, the biggest uh, environmental success story of the past like 30 years was the reforestation of the Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, and the, or not the reforestation as per se, but 
that you can't Amazon, regrow old growth. Forest. Amazon deforestation had drastically plummeted nice. from uh, levels in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see what's happening today where uh, exploitation or and where land is being cleared for, for cattle international cattle companies mm-hmm. um, and because a far-right dictator um, is uh, trying to more or less kill indigenous people and remove um, indigenous protections That's of fucked the land. Up. I don't think anyone would argue that. Yeah. Um, and I also think that... Uh, and like in so in a lot of places things are things are getting better but it's also uh places are, things are being constantly under attack and co2 emissions have continued to rise we we still have not uh, lowered our co2 emissions uh we're still and what do you think is the solution to that i'm curious uh, i think do you are, think curbing co2 emissions is the way to do it yeah yes I, I'm curious as to what the other options would be. The other option would be... Like geoengineering, like put throwing mirrors up into space or no, something? No, the, the idea of externalities, where it's if you sell, a, under capitalism, if you sell an object or an item or whatever, but there's an external cost that you have to add in later. So for climate change, that would be you take a plane ride. You take a plane ride, but there's an external cost of 100 or $200 that would go to a carbon capture farm to reduce, to pull out the amount of, of CO2, carbon things that you put into the air from that plane ride so the the price of things that increase carbon like everything like you know or if you buy something that that pollutes there's an extra couple dollars in there for the trolley that comes and picks up pollution that would be the way of of curbing climate change and these these ways that people will be like i'm going over the ocean by boat or i'm gonna ban plastic straws like that's just like ego kind of things like look at all the good we're doing i'm like that's not realistic it's not stopping people in china from polluting and people everywhere just want healthy and happy kids and themselves like it's not like everyone's goal is to fuck up the environment nobody's is but it's just there needs to be a system in place kind of like uh what's that thing like a carbon tax kind of like a carbon tax but yeah but it also needs to be on things that are like polluting like if it pollutes a river it should cost more so you can come and like create a job that like grabs that pollution before it actually hurts the environment like that would be a solution that actually works in the current system, creates more jobs, and it just th- the price of things goes up. But so would there be more jobs? There'd be more money in the system. Yeah. So I wholeheartedly agree that we need carbon pricing um, in in certain ways. Um, I've worked on two different carbon pricing uh, campaigns in the state of Washington. Although I have qualms with the first one um, from 2016, I-732. If anybody's very curious to look into that policy, but. Uh, I like, yes, we need to internalize the externalities of, uh, like, of pollution. Um, and we probably need to figure out a way to have a carbon tax. That said, we're not going to get where we need to go if we implement a carbon tax now. It's not going to get us where we need to be. Where do we need to be? Uh, we <laughs> need to be in a place where people aren't dying from climate change every day. People um, have always died of climate change. Like, if you oh. go back, like, a long time, like, things were changing, so people had to leave and go to, like, the Maldives. Like, all these these places that are propped up from a, from a, going from a climate cooling to regular, now it's going the other way. It's like, oh, it's uninhabitable. But, it, like, well, it wasn't not inhabitable before either. The climate is changing. Yeah, but it's happening more rapidly. Now. Yes, it's totally happening more um, rapidly. And so in places like uh, the Marshall Islands where, um, you know, there are climate refugees uh, and the Marshall Islands are going to go underwater, um, probably by 2100. Um, although I, I also don't want to be like the person espousing these doomsday scenarios because we know less about climate change than we think we do. Cool. Thank you for saying that. And also we know 
the the amount that we know all pretty much points to the fact that things are going to get worse, a lot worse. Um, and but so you're taking it on faith that that's true. You're not actually seeing direct thing. I don't know. I've been I've been taking a lot. Like I've been seeing science as a religion a lot lately. Like you haven't actually read through the different like the data and stuff. Like Al, or Al Gore, or some people who want your money come and say something similar to a religion. And then you don't actually go read through hundreds of pages of, of data records. You just take it on faith. For the most part, yeah. Because um, you your life around here hasn't changed that much, has it? Uh, I think it has. Okay, it has. interesting. I'd be interested. Um, I think that uh, we've had greater heat waves in um, Absolutely. in this area. I think we've had wildfires. The California wildfires were um, crazy intense last year. But that was just from the suppression of it for so long. Uh, not necessarily. So oh, okay. there, there are three major reasons for the intensification of wildfires. Now I'm going to go into my uh, very slight wildland firefighting knowledge for anybody uh, who wants to know i am technically an on-call wildland firefighter but uh there have been very few fires solely uh, in (laughs) solely in the united states this year globally we have had way more fires but one of the things about climate change is it uh moves around where uh precipitation happens where uh temperatures are happening so even though alaska's had um still uh massive heat waves and uh large fires in some places are very early in their season um in the you know places where we typically think of there being large wildfires in California, um, it's been far less. But we're getting m- bigger wildfires in Brazil, bigger wildfires in Africa. There was enormous, enormous wildfires in Siberia. Um, but there are three major reasons in the U- U.S. why wildfires are getting worse. Um, cool. And the first one being that people are moving into this area that we call the wildland-urban interface um, which is use small term. You use little terms. I uh, guess you're going <laughs> to people are moving into the woods. Yes. Okay. Um, cool. And there are a lot more people in the woods uh, and that makes it harder to fight fires. And it means that you have to do a lot more protection of structures when you're fighting a wildfire. Mm. Um, and it also means that you're going to do a lot more damage um, if a fire burns, because it, previously, if a fire you're going to do, who's you, who's you're doing a lot more damage. The sorry. fire. Are you talking about the fire? <laughs> are you talking about the fire? <laughs> you're going to do a lot more damage. I take the side of the fire oh when the, they burn through. Uh, no. what, wait, who's who's the you in that sentence? Uh, sorry, I think I was talking from <laughs> okay, the okay. fire's perspective. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing the role of fire now. Continue. <laughs> I'm just doing my job, man. I'm burning things that you guys told me not to burn for so long. Yeah, and then the second thing is suppression. Um, so, uh, and part of the, the reason that we have had more suppression is that more people have moved into uh, places where they don't want everything to burn down because they like to move, live in the woods or in like wild spaces per se. Um, but so like for a long time, us fire policy, we had what was called a 10 o'clock policy, which was basically, I think it's, it, it might be an 11 o'clock policy. I may <laughs> be wrong. Uh, but, uh, basically where you had to, by the next day at, uh, 10 or 11 AM, have everything put out. And that's why Smokey the bear was such a big thing because we were like afraid of wildfires and we were like, Oh, we need to stop all these wildfires. Um, and so then we like suppress fires a lot more and now we're realizing that oh maybe we shouldn't be doing that because that means that there's a lot more fuel to burn um and uh that's one that's one reason that i don't always think of like forests as being a great thing um when we t- or when we talk about like oh these places are like having much bigger forests it's not necessarily always a good thing um in, because, I mean, in CO2 capture, that's really important. But in terms of, like, 
having bigger fires um, or like in a lot of places forests are encroaching on uh, like places that were used to be a lot different. So if like you think about thunder? the limit, I think that is thunder. Okay. I'm going to cut you in, cut in here. Um, I want to hear your third one in a bit, but what you're getting to is a lot of Buddhism things where it's life is a lot of yin and yang. So carbon capture, like the sun and the, the tree captures carbon now and then it burns later. The yang, you know, it goes, it goes the full cycle. It like captures CO2 now and then it releases the CO2 later. Mm-hmm. The yin and yang of it. And you told me that being not your person is is absurd. And that would be like telling a Christian person it's absurd to believe in God or, or a scientist religious person that it's absurd to believe things that you haven't really read yourself, just taking on faith after you heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say it. Like you're, you'd be fighting thousands of years of Sanskrit Buddhism if you're saying, if you're trying to fight, you are not your person. So I'm curious what your, what your rationale is behind it. Uh, that was sorry. a radical shift. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, sorry, that was that was just a total jump, and I was unprepared. Okay, uh, y- can you? You are not your person. Was I think what I, uh, or I was like attacking the idea yeah. yep. that. Um, people... And just to, just to reiterate, how we got there was um, forests being a good and bad thing because it's the yin and yang, which brought me to Buddhism, which brought me to that. Okay. Okay. And we'll get gotcha. your third part. We'll, we'll recontinue. We'll get you a third part of that after after this little little jump here. So we're riding this roller coaster yeah. where it's going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think what I was thinking when I said that saying that you are not your body is absurd, um, which I think is different than you are not your person. Yeah. I think your person's your body. Uh, my mm-hmm. You're not your body. You think you're your body? You think you're right behind your primary sense organ? That's that's who you are? You're going to die someday? Yeah, You think I do. you, the consciousness that's in there, you think it's you're just some you're just some being, man. It's totally normal. You don't think that you're just this universal consciousness that's kind of passing through Ty Williams right now? Uh, no, I don't. That's so funny. Okay, what would your belief <laughs> be? What would your belief system be then? Uh, I don't know. I'm, okay, I'm well, that's so out. easy to... You, again, you just attack something, but you don't prop up a solution. Okay, no, man. no, no. I think when, I'm, when I was saying you're not your... Uh, you are your body, mm-hmm. I think so much of what we do is influenced by the body that we 100%. live in. Um, and, and saying you are not your body denies the reality of so many people um, who, who, like, experience life because, like, in a very particular way because of what their body is. And that completely influences who you are like if i were a like if i were shorter than i am or um or taller than i am or like any different skin color different different skin color if i were disabled um if i were a trans person um there are so many different ways in which my body would very very much change change your experience but it's Mm -hmm. still not you uh, I think I think it would be you. Okay. Why would it not be you if if it that changes completely like how you're you are interpreting the world? Um, I think. Yeah. So you are like a sense organ. Your body is like a sense organ. Your body is like a uh, like your eyes are a sense organ for your body, and your body is a sense organ for you, the universal consciousness, man. You know, just like your eye can be blinded by sunlight, and like you know, the other eye can be in the dark. Like, yeah, like, all eyes aren't seeing the same thing all the time. <laughs> I, I, I'm body... not following you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, can, it can do, uh, look, look into uh, to Hindu and Buddhism religion anyway. Okay, so what's your, th- what's your third part of the forest burning? Uh, to jump back. 
Oh, climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the third but, part of but, the reason. The, 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 no, not for, yeah, third. third Wildfires uh, are intensifying. Wildfires. Is there because, we go. Uh, that was a little loop, a little two-minute loop the, for anyone. The reason Sorry. that we have what like we often refer to as megafires today is because like places are getting warmer. And put, so places that like wouldn't normally burn um, are burning. Uh, and uh, more frequently and hotter. And you're getting like, you know, you're having to fight fires and temperatures where they didn't there didn't used to be those temperatures. Um, so I think that's, that's the third major thing. Um, and that one's, I think more self-explanatory than the other two sometimes. Yeah, maybe. But so you think, wait, what was the first one again? The first one is people living where, where places that you shouldn't places if, that if you, you really, want to really should. Everything. Yeah. And then the second one is the forester system. And so, I mean like a cycle, just like anything. Yeah. The second one is that like fire suppression has meant that we, so more these all seem like more course. fires aren't a bad thing. Like it seems like the fires are just affecting people and it just seems like it's at the current place of the system where it's burning and then it'll regrow. And then what was the third one? Oh, everything's heating. So it's like a rising ship or rising tide lifts all ships. Kind of thing. <laughs> rising more, tide more, burns cause, down. Cause the, way you're, the way you're pitching it is just like, well, people are kind of living in places that are in the cycle where they're about to get burned. It doesn't really seem like it's the forest's problem for going on fire. It seems like a natural cycle that was about to happen. Well, I mean, I think there are serious dangers when you have the massive fires that we're getting today because they burn a lot more of the forest than previously used to. So in the past, you had a lot more low-intensity fires, and now we're getting significantly higher-intensity fires that can sometimes bake the entire soil. Um, uh, oh, and, I didn't know there were intensity so that, of fires. Yeah, so fire intensity has gone up a lot, oh, and that's, that's, that's one good. of the big things. So it actually, like, gets rid of the nutrients as, as well, opposed to as provides it, it or what, do you uh, know, what, what would that be like so if you get the soils hot enough you're going to kill a lot of the organic matter that would uh, grow yeah. up in like uh immediately after and there's yeah. like a lot of ecosystems that depend on fires to kind of like move or to to regrow like uh um there's a pine tree that uh they release their seeds when the resin melts um and uh during a fire and so then they they rely on wildfires to to regrow so what, what is the solution to this then what, what where do you want climate what would actually be climate change that in your eyes would be efficient enough to fix things or pause things or what? reverse things or what do you want, what uh, do you want? i think th i think there are two things i think there's mitigation which is basically reducing the amount of carbon emissions and other pollutants that we're putting into the atmosphere um to make it so that we're not making our uh temperature rise be extreme um, because there's a huge difference between uh, the temperature rising 1.5 degrees Celsius and the temperature rising 2 degrees Celsius. And that difference can be catastrophic for many, many people yeah. um, and also many ecosystems. Um, and then I think the other thing is adaptation. Like we have to recognize that we're currently living in a place and in a time when climate, the climate crisis is affecting everybody today. Um, and so then we need to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to make it so that we can survive still. And in some t sometimes that means that people have to move. Sometimes that means that uh, we need to build our houses with better insulation so that we can survive heat waves. Sometimes that means that, like, uh, uh, pff, I don't know, that we're, like, going to need to change, like, where... I already said where the, we how live. You, how you do with water, how you deal yeah, with water. Yeah, like, 
we're going to have to reduce our certain water usage and we're going to have to like figure out um, what plants are going to grow in new temperatures and new environments. Um, it's just happening too quick is the whole thing. It's happening like way too quickly. Okay. For, for... So, you, so would you just try to slow it down? You wouldn't try to reverse it then and pause it. You just slow it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, it would be in extremely hard to reverse climate change without like geoengineering that I think could totally geoengineering putting a bunch of algae in dead oceans would make sense i think okay okay so i think there's a lot of different versions of geoengineering i think of the ones that are putting mirrors mirrors into space i get that so that's uh, not that's not the one that that's realistic i think using mass carbon capture by using dead oceans anyways like the near where bp oil is still spilling just so it said oil is still coming out of that just to be very blatantly clear with everyone, putting um, a bunch of algae blooms and stuff like that to kind of just suck up. Because everyone's like, oh, the Amazon's the lungs of the earth. And we know that's it's like its own self-sustaining cycle. We don't get any of our oxygen from the, the Brazil rainforest. Well, I, but we do from algae ma- blooms. Massive rainforests have provided a lot of the oxygen historically. Um, OK, there we go. Uh, so it's it's not like um, the Amazon burning down today is going to make it so that we don't have oxygen to breathe tomorrow. But it also means that over time that oxygen in the atmosphere will decrease yeah um, i can agree with that i don't know man yeah i think it is just moving too quick global climate change <clears throat> global climate change is just moving too quick but it is something that has always moved right you can meet you can meet that that argument halfway right whereas like it's bound it's eventually bound to get somewhere wait why do you say yep. elon musk was a shit i was going back to like <laughs> um he said he said that um we were carbon deprived up until recently and now we're actually a decent place and yeah it's probably going to continue to get to a worse place but why do you say billionaires are shitheads and specifically <laughs> <Sorry>. him <laughs> i jump around a lot we're, man. Just, we're just jumping through everything uh why do i think billionaires are bad yeah because uh, i think that they've built a lot of their wealth on exploitation and on basically Exploiting taking other system. people's money they're really good um, at the current system so they, you're gonna it's really kind of like the don't hate the player hate the game kind of thing uh, yeah, hate the game, but also recognize that the people who are really good at playing the game are going have, to perpetuate the game. Are, have, are going to perpetuate the game and um, that their wealth is not something that they created. And it's, it's something that a lot of other people working with them have created um, and that they are not deserving of those billions of dollars. And that if you have a billion dollars and you're not actively using it as much as possible mm-hmm. to be helping people, stagnation is a um, bad then... Then like you're you're not doing good for the world, um, so. What would you do if you had a billion dollars? Um. I w- I actually have a contract um with my friends from college that uh, this is very extreme, but it says that if I ever get a billion dollars, uh, that they are all legally permitted to kill me. That's uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um. That's such an interesting thing, man. But what if you get it by ways of propping up a new system? Uh, Here's the thing. I don't think that the new system will permit people to have exorbitant wealth while other people are living in poverty. So, um, Uh, well, you don't you 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 threw on a thing there. Other people don't have to live in poverty just for you to be wealthy. I okay. Wealth is a different thing than having a lot of a lot of money. Yes. Okay. Um, I'd agree with that. And. Uh, so I think we can having all be wealthy money. in terms of like, uh, having places to live and having like food, um, and, you know, being able to provide for ourselves. I think that's wealth. I think having like strong social connections with people is wealth. Um, I don't think that having an absurd amount of money and using it for what I consider oftentimes frivolous things, uh, is the way that we should be 
doing things. And I, and and so one of the things I think about is like um, billionaires like Elon Musk and like uh, Jeff Bezos oh, are investing uh, a tons of money into trying to go to space yeah. um, because they see like going to space is like the next the next big thing. Um, when you know you could use that money to help people. How would you help um, people? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pee. Pitch, pitch how you'd help people really oh quick. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I can talk to an empty room. <laughs> you can. You got this. You, you have a billion dollars. How would you help humanity? That's oh, a big my thing. God. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm now talking with an empty room and microphone while Tiger goes pee behind me. Wow. This is wild. Okay. Um, so, I guess if I had a billion dollars... Uh, I think there's a lot of things that are worth investing in. Um, I think giving a lot of land um, or investing in lands uh, that are like brownfield lands, um, which are basically places that have been developed and aren't uh, currently and are currently being like are often contaminated um, and are basically not in use, um, is a really important. Uh, is it, or they're really like important place to help clean up and also help be able to bring back into productivity. Um, I think also cleaning up a, a lot of like environmental injustices, like toxic waste spills is really, would be a really valuable way to use a lot of money. And I think investing in education is super important. Um, and, uh, would you turn the whole world into one big commune? Uh, I don't think I could do that with a billion dollars. A trillion. How um, about that? Okay. Because, I mean, the difference between well, a million and a billion is huge. The difference between a billion and a trillion. Like, yeah. there's a trillion dollar company. It wasn't Amazon almost as the first publicly traded, but Probably. there's trillion dollar non-publicly traded companies. What are the... What? Like, like uh, so Amazon became a trillion dollar, trillion dollar publicly traded. Isn't that crazy? Okay, yeah. Like, the, yeah, market, what, cap, what the, the okay. market cap of Amazon hit a trillion dollars. Yeah, what are the non-publicly non traded companies that it... Uh, East Indian trade, just these weird, I'll, I'll look them up. I'll look them okay, up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Con continue your speech. I'll actually look them up really quick. Um, I don't know where I was going. Um, because you invest I in education? never conceived of the ability to have a, a trillion dollars. dollars. I know. Oh, right? Now I'm, now I have a trillion dollars. This is horrifying. Please, please oh someone God. come and kill me. That's so funny. Uh, well, what if they do feel like that? But then they're so attached thinking that their body that they're really scared to feel pain. You know, that's where we're at right now is people, people thinking that they're their body and they game the system to the place where they have a trillion dollars. Companies. What? <laughs> Worth one trillion. See, I need someone else to look stuff up eventually. And Amazon, or I mean, Apple just hit a trillion dollars. And Microsoft is a trillion dollar company. But non-publicly traded, like not everything's a public, I, I can't look this up and hold a conversation. Not everything's a publicly traded company. Like you could almost, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. So <laughs> corporate systems that have a trillion dollars exist, right? So how much would you need to change the world? I don't know, man. I don't know. So the whole the whole point of this is I'm like, I see you wanting to attack a system a lot, which is totally, you just said revolution like in your in your thing. Like I think critiquing and trying to shift it a little bit, but a lot of it seems like we need to topple it and set up a new system. And like, what would that new system look like? Okay, so I don't necessarily always think that like just toppling the current system and without an idea of what can be better in the future um, is really important. But I think that, there are uh, very revolutionary acts that are happening right now. When I talked about Cooperation Jackson earlier, I think that's a very revolutionary act um, because that's creating a whole system that doesn't operate within a lot of the confines of capitalism. Um, 
And so when I talk about like needing a revolution, I think that means drastic change. I think that means building new and alternate forms of how we live. Um, I think that means not uh, basically centering a profit motive in like what's in, in how we decide what needs to happen. A profit motive? You don't think people should be encouraged by profits? No, I don't. What do you think people should be encouraged by? Um, helping people. Yeah, I, I like the Mr. <laughs> Rogers uh, idea of uh, looking for the helpers. Um, but so the way that someone like Elon Musk gets a billion dollars is by helping people. Not necessarily. So much that people give him money so that they, he can help more people is my understanding of how capitalism works. If I invent something like a new car that is more greener, greener than oil burning cars, like, yeah, you still get the energy from natural gas printing plants and all these things, but it's more, it's more efficient. It's more efficient to drive somewhere in a Tesla than it would be a 92 Corolla or something like that. You can agree with that. His inventions, his creative oh, no. output. Let me tell you those 92 Corollas really. That's so funny. His creative <laughs> output is, is adding wealth to everyone who buys it, right? And they're, he's crowdsourcing money from people who buy it. He gets money from. So he says, cool, that invention helped humanity. Now I have more money to do another invention. Like, like he's just like high up there in terms of he's created something that holds value and helps a lot of people. And he gets more money based off how good he is at that. Um, I think that you can also have innovation and uh, have productivity um, without having profits. Um, no. How? Show me a time in history where people have been motivated without capitalism. Show me, a, show me a socialist thing that works where people aren't motivated and they still create things. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Where people aren't motivated and they still create things? Yeah. Uh, or things differently people didn't aren't motivated by money and they still create things. Yes. Uh, I, I think Jonas Salk is a like, super classic example who was the guy who invented the polio vaccine. Um, oh, and yeah. then he didn't patent it and mm -hmm. he... Or, he either didn't patent it or no, sold the, the patent for a dollar. Um, I think. Well, Elon Musk did that. He 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 doesn't hold any of his patents. He freely gives them out. I think. Just so you know. I, okay, I think that's great. And I you also call him think, a shithead. I think he is a shithead. Why? Because I think that if you have that much money and you're that's not such an absurd thing. No, that's like me no. saying, oh, if you live in Eugene, Oregon, you're shithead and should be killed. It's like, well, that's not true. Just because you're the top, I mean, you're the top okay, one tenth I, of one percent of people. Do you think a bunch of people in Africa think that you're worthy of death just for being here, man? Okay, fine. Right? Like you can't you can't qualify someone as being a shithead just because they're good at gaming the current system. You should you can say, oh, the the system should be replaced. Yeah, but cool. I, you can also you can also say that like people who are currently gaming the system are um, propping up the system. And ah, yeah. Are, um, and I think certain things that like with Elon Musk in particular, like if Elon, the way Elon Musk gets Which a is crony ton of capitalism, money. capitalism, by the way. Um, you say they're propping up the system and perpetuate. Yeah. That's crony capitalism. Um, capitalism well, is supposed to move and, and ebb and flow. And right now it's getting stagnant because all the people who are really good at gaming it are paying people to make sure that they can still game it in the future. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think it, uh, if we want to talk specifically about Elon Musk. And yeah, I think I, him, because I don't like uh, Jeff Bezos. I don't like other billionaires. Generally, I don't trust anything I hear about or against any billionaires because they could pay for a Reddit thread with 100 comments and all the upvotes and arguments. They could pay for all of it. They can pay for what you perceive of them. I don't really trust myself of, about billionaires, except he tweets random ass shit. So I'm like, that's genuinely him. He's breaking through the simulation as far as I'm aware. 
and he seems like a pretty genuine human being who just wants to help. He doesn't seem malevolent. Does, does he to you? Does, he, does his actions strike you as someone who is using the current system for evil or more good? Uh, I don't think he's using the system for more good. I also don't think... Uh, I, like Pushing I, the field of solar panels and electric cars and stuff I, and I green energy? I don't think he's pushing the field of solar panels and electric cars and He absolutely green is. He is. I think, I think that uh, there's a lot of people who work for Tesla yes. who are doing a lot of things. What and is he, he doing? Ba- he bankrolls them. They he in- bankrolls them. You could also bankroll that and... Uh, and have it publicly owned and have a lot more people get a lot more uh, wealth out of that. Okay, but then you're just saying, okay, I hate the government. Like, the government's... The U.S. government is essentially that, a publicly owned thing, and it's still at the same place. If not, it's worse than than Elon Musk's company. Elon Musk's company seems less bureaucratic and better than the U.S. government, which is essentially a publicly traded thing that I don't get a say in what they do and what they're, you know? Mm-hmm. So so obviously we need to change how our democracy works. Uh, uh, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that public ownership of things and having a, a say in what happens mm-hmm. um, is a bad thing. Um, but I think that, like, Elon Musk being able to decide, you know, I'm just going to spend my whatever... N- ungodly amount of money yeah um, but he doesn't have that much in cash like he has that much equity when i say elon musk has a billion dollars it's because he owns the gigafactory and he's paying all the people and he owns all the cars that are technically in production he doesn't just have a billion dollars in a bank account that's messed up yeah he doesn't have that but he's all but also if you think about the things that he is invested in i think some of them are might be useful i also think a lot of them are uh Probably not doing the same. Probably like, not doing very good. Basing basing your perception of okay, someone like off of what they SpaceX might be. Okay, per, yes. There we particular. go. There we go. Yeah. Now we're getting it back into reality. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think SpaceX isn't? You don't think? I don't believe space is real. But you, you believe space exploration? <laughs> go go <laughs> off, please. <laughs> no, we'll just we'll just glance over that. I'll, I'll get back into it. Why do you think SpaceX is a bad thing to fund? And he's it's not his money. It's like he's grabbing investors' money to get into space space exploration. You don't think we should explore space if you believe in space? I, okay. <laughs> First of all, can you tell me why you don't believe in space? I don't know. Have you ever been there? Has, does it affect you at all? Are you taking on faith that all the the things actually exist? It's just another religion. Are you man. just gonna tell me that NASA faked the moon landing next? The, I'm not saying they did, does but I'm the saying they exist, easily could have. I'm saying everything that doesn't affect your life personally, that you can't touch and hold, you're taking on faith. That's how I'm starting to see the world. Is okay, that doesn't mean that they don't exist, though. No, they, they, okay, okay, that's, yeah, that's a good, interesting point. But it doesn't, okay, so does God exist? Because uh, I'm, I'm taking on faith. Like, did Jesus exist? Or am I, I'm just taking on faith that he existed. I mean, you can interpret the information that you're given by other people. It doesn't mean you have to blindly accept anything you're told by other people. Okay, so let's take that back to, I would, for some reason, fund Elon Musk to go to space. Why? Why do you believe it's bad, either? Um, I think it's, as of this, okay, I don't think that <laughs> space exploration, in general, is a bad thing. Okay. Um, I think that uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that Elon Musk has talked has talked about going to space is because he um, thinks that we're going to like colonize Mars, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, He's saying it will never happen if no one ever starts it. He's not saying it'll happen. He's, he's also helping terraform, terraform earth into what, like helping earth. But he's also saying, Hey, I'm going to be the first person to kind of start the cycle of terraforming another planet too. um, It needs to start. Someone needs to start it. Or we could, you know, protect the people who are currently living on earth even more so. 
um, and maybe do it in a better way than he's doing it. Yeah, that'd be like like a bunch of people in Britain being like, okay, well, let's really just make things sure things are good here. And let's not even, like, he's being like, all right, let's at least send a ship over to see if we can start going somewhere else, too. Let's just, like... Wait, I'm sorry. Him not doing SpaceX he, wouldn't help humanity at all. He's just also... Could. How? Because he has a lot of wealth that he could invest in. I don't know. Again, I don't believe money is real. I don't believe money is real, either. <laughs> I'm starting to believe everything that you can't touch isn't real. <laughs> I mean, 95% of all money is debt. So is that real? Uh, so now, now you're getting it. Okay, I'm... Okay, so, so, so a lot of... There's, there's only 5% of the money in circulation right now is actual, like, money that, like, I or you or have. 95% mm -hmm. of it is debts. Debts to our government. Our government's debt to other governments. None of that's real and tangible, man. It's just, it's just, it's just not real. Okay, fair. You know? I'm not going to argue with you And there. then, so as far as space being not real, <laughs> <laughs> so does, does it change your life at all whether Pluto is a planet or not? I'm, I'm, these are hard arguments to make because I've never heard them made. These are just random ass, like, okay. high thoughts that now, I have. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, I think it does change my life a little bit to know that Pluto is a planet. I think it's really cool. <laughs> I, I strongly defend Pluto as a planet. For all of you, Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you're listening. That's so funny. Well, I, like, so you go out and you sit in your backyard and you see all these stars and stuff way out there. The fact that we've never successfully sent anything to deep space and comes back. So we don't really know that it's real. And what would real mean? If you can send something there and it like can still send a transmission back, is it real? Like at what point is something that you can't touch, you can't live, you can't really see it from here, you can't experience it. Is it real or are you just taking on faith that those are actually stars way out there just like our sun? You've never seen them. <laughs> You're taking it on faith. It's just another religion, man. Science is just another religion. Uh, yeah, but science also has processes that yes. we're using uh, to interpret the information that we're interpret, getting. Interpret, just like Christianity has priests to interpret his word. Science yeah. is just an ever-changing religion. It's, it's a religion of faith that is actually changing. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting way of seeing science, sure. isn't it? <laughs> Fine. Yeah. I, uh, None of these are certain, man. I'm just like throwing you out where I'm at. And then I'm curious your thoughts on uh, a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we often have turned to religion to find answers for where we're at um, and, and for, to explain the reality around us and also to explain how we feel. Um, I think science is also used in ways to explain the world around us. Um, I think there are so is other religions. <laughs> I, th I, I mean, I think the scientific method is what uh, sets science apart where, yes. you know, you realize. Well, that I mean, Christianity is not wrong. also Muslim. Like all religions are different. This is just another re faith based religion that you can participate in. Like you can become a priest but you can of other religions. You can become a scientist. And everybody, everybody can perform citizen science. Um, not everybody can perform citizen. Everyone can pray. Everyone can pray. Yeah, I, sure. Which is, which is, I don't know. I believe more of a science. Have you ever heard of the work of like Joe Dispenza or um, just the, the fact that you can kind of manifest the world around you? No. And please tell me how, what that means. So if you wake up, let's just, let's just start at the beginning. You wake up and you have these bad thoughts all day. If you were to act those out and you, you do the same bad action, like you like twitch like 15 times a minute, just like you say, oh, the, you, this won't go wrong and this won't go wrong. You'd be like, Jesus, you're a crazy person. But those things are kind of what manifest. If you think things are going to go wrong, your actions of where you talk to people and the, the events that you participate in will make sure that things go wrong. 
So you change, you, you manifest the world around you. Like everyone is their own God, essentially. That's a lot. You are God, man. Like it's, it's a weird thing that no one really tells uh, like other people and we're, we're supposed to not believe it, but you are God. Everyone listening, they're their own gods. Yeah. I mean, I, okay, sure. I think that we all are interpreting the world as we see it. I also think that the evidence that we've been given. So do you think you're just like throwing what life hands at at you? Or do you think you're, you're building your own life? I think. Like is life happening to you or are you creating your own life? Okay. So. (laughs) I mean, I think everyone is a product of their circumstances. Um, I don't think we have thoughts or actions that are independent of our circumstances um meaning that we really aren't... well how would that make any sense so how technology happened because like no one had social media until like 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 things obviously happened that didn't happen okay sorry i, I cut you off continue continue i cut you off there man i okay well i mean i think that we can develop things through yeah um through our circumstance and i think our education helps us um, to be able to make connections between things we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that people like exist separate from like where I'm at right now. I don't believe in like a separate consciousness, um, from really your, like s- you believe you're your own separate consciousness. That's such an interesting Wait, thought. No, so no, no, I mean, I mean a consciousness separate from, um, the person i believe i am so you think your brain's an engine that pumps and creates consciousness and that's what yeah you think a bunch of cells organize in a special way and it's conscious yes does that make any sense does it make sense otherwise that it's almost like an antenna it's it can it can catch a signal it's all faith we're all talking about (laughs) faith and religion here man but uh i think um have you ever experienced things like synchronicity like uh you, you expect like, oh my gosh, you think about someone just as they're texting you? Many yeah. things like that. I mean, I mean, there's just too many. I think many... I think about the people that I text probably more than I think about just like the general person. Yeah, which is a form of manifesting. You're thinking about something more and you see that person more. Like manifesting, like the rubber hits the road at some point of you, your physical actions come from your brain. Like, okay, so say if I made this table that we're touching right now. I would have thought about, okay, I'm going to make a table. That's the very start of it. And then it's like, okay, now I'm like thinking about what it looked like. And then I draw it on paper and then I go get the ingredients and then I build it. That's manifesting something from your head into reality. You're manifesting reality with your thoughts. Everything that anyone has ever created is a manifestation of their thoughts. No. Or, okay, now we're getting into, so (laughs) if we want to get into philosophy. Yeah. um, (laughs) Uh, there's uh hegel um had this idea that there's this dialectic um where basically we have these like kind of uh higher consciousness thoughts that we then um use and we manifest them into the world and then the uh, like the world changes and then we use those changes to the world to like kind of adapt our higher thoughts Mm -hmm. um there's a really interesting critique of that by none other than Karl Marx. Um, <laughs> Bring it back to your man. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to call Karl Marx my man <laughs> because hilarious. I think that he gets too much credit within socialism circles um, because I think there are a ton wait, of other... like. Hold on. What did he write? Thinkers. What was the name of the book that he wrote? What was the first word of the book that he wrote? Uh, Dust Capital? Nope. 
manifesto. A communist, a communist manifesto. manifesto. He's, okay. mani- he's trying to manifest something. We're all just trying to manifest okay. the world around but, us. But the, but the critique that <laughs> okay, is made yeah. is that we're actually responding to our circumstances, and that's how we form what we think of as our higher consciousness. And so it, it starts with our material circumstances, and that's where our thoughts come from, mm-hmm. um, is, is you, um, if you are existing with like little food all of your thoughts are going to be about food and about how are you going to get more food and then you're gonna your thoughts are gonna be like oh my goodness i need to figure out what i need to do to we all start at different starting places is what you're saying what i'm saying is that our thoughts are a response to what is going on in the world around us rather than something separate that we are projecting onto the world projecting onto the world so so rather than thinking about well it's like it it goes back to the hierarchy of once you hit a certain point of all your needs are met then you can start self-actualizing or manifesting or whatever you want to call it and i think that's where the problem is is everyone starts at different starting places and a lot of the systems in place prevent people from getting to that point and i think socialism's benefit would be okay if you didn't have to worry about the very lowest parts of that where you're going to eat and sleep that night and then if you had a commune so you have a sense of community and all that stuff and and then then you get to manifest your world so i think the critique of ca- your critique of capitalism and the current community is a good one because you want us to all to have an equal starting place you don't want people to have to worry about having little food yeah yeah and then so once you have food and then you get to a place where what do you want? Everyone hits that place where it's like, well, what do you want? I mean, I think, I, I guess that's the question. Like, then what you start it, manifesting. <laughs> once, well, all your, once all your necessities for you to technically stay alive are covered, you get to start manifesting what, the future, what your future is going to look like. Yeah, but it's also a response to the circumstances that you exist in. It's, it's like all of your thoughts are coming from, okay, I see these things in the world around me. I've learned oh, yeah, these things absolutely. from people I've talked to. Um, I'm by and no then means saying to... that your outside stimuli doesn't affect you. It's all yin and yang, man. But I'm saying a lot of people right now just think life happens to them. And they're just like, like life just keeps happening to them. It's like the thoughts that you have cre- turn into reality at some point. Like the thoughts that you have right now eventually become your life, like without a doubt. And then, yes, but those thoughts are affected by your life right now. It's all yin and yang, man. It's all just a bunch of circles. <laughs> so, I, I, I think that our, our material circumstances around us influence us a lot more than you're giving it credit for. I'm giving it all that it's credit to do, but at some point... Okay, so, so I, I think we're having opposing thoughts here. You think life happens to you, and I think you create your own life, is my understanding of this. A little bit, yeah. I think, I like, okay, I think it can be really useful to think about yourself as creating your own life. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you create your own life. If that does that make sense? So basically, you, you decided it's, to get into useful. firefighting. You decided to do these, which eventually you'll get certificate money of your time and energy from. Like, like you, every decision that you're making, man, is your own decision. Yeah, but it's coming from what the things that I've learned, um, the people who I've grown up with, the like, uh, you know, resources that I've been given. Mm-hmm. Um, and that have, and everything that's kind of affected me thus far. So do you believe in free will then? No. Ah, that's where it's breaking down to. You don't believe in free will. No. So do you ever regret anything? Um, yes. Oh yeah. All the time. How can you regret something if you don't have free will? Okay. So here's the thing is I don't, I don't believe in free will in the sense that it's like you are, you can operate in a way that's wholly separate from everything that's around you. And I think that if you broke down everything in the universe and you were able to figure out okay, what, what are the building blocks of the universe? You have these atoms. Um, they're all moving 
and you can calculate uh, the direction that they're moving and the velocity that they're moving. Where are you going with this? <laughs> you could build a supercomputer, per se, and you could know exactly what was going to happen in the future. Yep. Um, you could know, so it's just happening to you. Uh, it's interesting, man. That's but, where we get back but to But I think it's useful mm -hmm. to think of ourselves as having free will because there's no point, like... What am I going to do if I'm just like, well, it's all faded? Does that mean that I've just become a nihilist See, and you, I just like I think nihilism's die? beautiful. But so you think you have free will, but life's happening to you and you think nihilism's a bad thing. That's such an interesting <laughs> an interesting way to look at the world, man, as opposed to I believe we don't have free will, but I'll, I believe that we completely change. I guess my my views are very conflicting too. Wait. You believe we don't have free will. Yes. I believe it's all a pattern that's that's been in place for hundreds of thousands of years and we're all just the things that you experience are no different than things other people experience. The first time you go without something, you have a thought pattern of like, oh man, this is what I don't have. Okay, well, I don't want to not be in this situation again. Okay, I'm going to start taking actions to make sure I don't ha not have food again. And boom, you learn from that. Everyone experiences that. And maybe some people start up, you know, it's again, the starting line. I want everyone to have the same starting line. I want everyone to be educated very similarly in a very open manner. And then as soon as everyone's like 18, I believe younger than me, I, I, I got to the starting line late. 16 or 18, I think everyone should have no debt and not have to worry about where their, their, their house is and their, their food and everything and just invest in themselves. The world would be a way better place in 20 years, but it wouldn't really work because thank God for automation, I guess. So it would work. It would keep running because we're going to automate all the manual tasks away is my hope. Potentially, but if you think about where we're at right now, what, what does automation do to us at this current moment? Um, it's often just displacing workers, and because we operate... Displacing this, workers away from what jobs, man? All kinds of jobs. Do you want those jobs? Yeah, oftentimes. You, you want to take one task, and you, want to, you just want to do one repeated task all day? No, I think automation you think is anyone should have to do far that? beyond doing that. Like what? Um, uh, let's what do you say, think? What, what jobs do you think automation are removing right now um i think you know truck uh, driving do you think automation could remove truck driving do you think we people should just sit for 18 hours a day on amphetamines and just drive i know laws are getting in place where you can't no longer do that but like do you think people should just sit all day driving do you think that's a way that you want other human beings to spend their time okay not necessarily. Or do you want to do you want to automate those also, things away um like I think so one of the things about automation replacing jobs which I don't think automation is necessarily a bad thing but when you replace those jobs when you are a truck driver and your job is replaced by automation which I think could be a good thing mm -hmm. um, if you don't want to be a truck driver yeah what is going to happen to you if if you're you have built your life around truck driving then you, well and, so then we get to the place of re-education like education re should be a lifelong lifelong thing yeah um, that's part of what this podcast we is. Need to, we need to provide for people. We, yes, one hundred percent. And that's Which not what's it happening. Back to right socialism. Now. Yeah, it's not what's 100%, happening. One hundred percent. Blatantly, um, I one hundred percent agree with you. People shouldn't go on. Or I guess if you had oh, something. Oh, like uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of like other places that automation is starting to like influence other things, and we're like starting to um, create computers that can. Uh, like do deep learning and operate in ways that are similar to how we uh, uh, how our brains operate, which is like fascinating. Um, and it means that computers are going to be replacing us in a lot more fields than we um, anticipated. Um, and it means that very, very few jobs are safe. Um, and so if very few jobs are safe, if you took that a hundred, like a, a couple hundred years ago and you said, 
hey, your job carrying water from here and here is going to be automated into a pipe. Do you, do you really want to spend your time just bringing water from there to there? No. It's not like there's a finite number of jobs. As soon as these jobs get covered, people get reeducated into new jobs. Not necessarily. Oh, 100%. What? You don't believe you well, believe there's a that, set number of jobs? Like, I don't think we have a process for that right now. Yes. Okay, I, th- I agree I with we, that. I think we need better processes for re-education. So yep. one of the things is I, I do think in a lot of places that there are jobs that people shouldn't have. Um, yes. I think coal miners shouldn't exist. 100%. But... I, that doesn't mean I hate they should people learn to who code. are coal miners. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> I think coding is something that is also going to be in large part replaced a lot by computers. What? That doesn't um, make any sense. It, I, on the on the micro scale, if you think about it, like what were we doing sixty years ago? Yeah. How many people needed to be used to code a single like a single process? Mm-hmm. And it was way more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, if you're, I was. Uh, if you're like trying to, but code, new code could you're, never you're be You're doing created. a different kind of coding, yeah. and so the people who are educated in the previous kind of coding are not going to be able to work in that same job and then they might just find themselves without a job and so then the humans to... are at a place where they no longer have to work and they just have free time do you think that's not a place we should be where we no, can I just think hang that out is a place we should be okay so you believe in think, automation i think i do that's that's what i've been trying to say i believe in automation and i think that automation is not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. but i think we need to be thinking critically about how we're going to support people as that happens because right now the way that automation is often used is it's used to replace people and then consolidate more wealth into the hands of yes. a few people um i 100% agree with that part yeah so so i'm like i'm not i'm not saying automation is explicitly bad mm-hmm. i'm just saying that we need to be careful when we are automating because it mean like that means that there're going to be a lot of people who don't have work, who don't have ways to provide their own livelihoods. But that um, doesn't mean that's not a reason we should stagnate. We should keep moving forward. We, like, we should keep moving forward. It also we means come that up we with need a plan to, for those people. We vitally need a yes. much stronger social safety I'm 100% net. Hundred percent there. Yeah. This all comes down to everyone. No one should have to worry about their where they're they're sleeping that night. Like everyone should have a roof over their head, food, water. Education and healthcare shouldn't be something that fucks you up for the rest of your life financially. And then if those are covered, people can just start doing creative work, creative long-term wealth creation games. So they're autom- all the everything that's getting automated is these short-term games that no one that doesn't help anyone. It just p- p- makes people in stressful situations. I mean, not necessarily. Like I, I think you, if you think about certain things, like WebMD is replaced like how people use doctors in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, and. And, and that's something... I don't believe in doctors either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. It's just so easy to say I don't believe in something, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, after going to school for four years to learn about a lot of it, um, ask people around you how well of care their doctors have given them compared to how well you can, like, research yourself and just be like, oh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole hashtag on Twitter called hashtag doctors or dickheads. That's so and it's funny. from uh, And it's originated in the disability community, um, and particularly with disabled black people who are the least likely to be believed um, when they... Have uh, a disability. When, when they have any kind of medical condition. Wow. Um, and so you get people who are going to the doctor who know how they feel and know that something might be wrong, and then the doctors are like, well, I don't really believe you, or like they don't trust these oh, particular people. Man, that would um, be a and so, fudged up system. And, and, it, and it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, um, because, you know, like if you if you like hear the stories about, you know, doctors prescribing less morphine to um, like people of color who are in pain or like. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those are horrible systems. You, you heard um, 
you heard my dad on on or you you my dad was on this podcast. My dad is Fred Williams. Um, <laughs> I think episode six. <laughs> Probably. That's so funny. That's a trip that, that um, happened. And, and he did you listen about, to his podcast? I, I did. Was I it did. a trip hearing your dad and then <laughs> oh, being here yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I and one of the things that you know is is really interesting is that when he was in the hospital, like he was saying, like I'm in, in intense pain, and doctors didn't believe him. Um, mm. And he was a young man of color who. Uh, like, was also had like had this like traumatic experience. Racism is very real. Yeah, and, 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 and like it exists in all all kinds of ways. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing, man. Do you think? I mean, I believe racism could totally go away entirely, but I think a lot of that would be everyone just starting being people. It'd be like we're in this weird middle ground of of people are so attached to their bodies that they want to make sure that they're the people like them, like the group mentality have it better off. But once there's a starting line, you're not encouraged to make sure that your people have it better off. Everyone's going to have it that good. I think racism will go away if things keep progressing. I disagree. Whoa. You think racism will always be here? No, I don't. I don't think racism will always be here. I think where we're Ty at believes right in now, racism. <laughs> okay. I am a strong supporter of racism. So, you so, so imagine first. if I imagine if I edited talks, how <laughs> fucked up I could make you sound. That's why I don't edit things. Like when I went pee, like I'm not going to edit that because I could have just made you like I could have I could have inserted that somewhere else in the talk. Do you see how dangerous that gets? I, I see that it could get dangerous if you're editing talks in bad faith. I'm malicious. Um, <laughs> right. I, I let people, listeners, do their own editing. You can, I mean, this is going to be close to a two-hour long talk. Take, oh take what you want of it. Do you want to cut? <laughs> don't listen don't to all of this. That's so funny. It's interesting. I mean, we're just throwing around ideas, which gets to a place of, like, no one really knows anything. Like, as soon as someone starts prodding you of your beliefs, you're like, well, I guess I know some of it, you know? I don't know. It's interesting. Like, it's like... A lot. I think everyone's based off of like, oh, well, that person kind of said this, so I kind of believe that too. And then if you ask that person what they believe, they're basing it off someone too. And then it gets back to to reading. Like, like you have to be able to show text on paper or podcasts. I believe podcasts are the new writing. Like, I don't really read anymore. It's, it's to the point where I want to play an experiment. I want to see how long I can go without reading a single thing. Like, I wish I could change all of the, the things in my phone and stuff to just emojis and just base it off of, like, arrows and stuff like that and see if I could go, like, even a day without reading a single word. I don't know. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, but emojis are language, too. It's not like you're, ah, like, they were good avoiding, like, the, the visual language no, that, I'm of, not. like, words. I'm just moving away from reading English as a language and go to, the, the like, the most... <laughs> easy to understand language, which is just very direct things like talking. Well, talking gets really lost in translation. Cause like, if I like cross my arms and like start looking differently, you're going to react and start talking to me completely differently, yeah. which is, I guess where you get the input, but you can still be your own person. Like, um, like if you crossed your arms and like, it would affect the way I talk, but I would still have the same message. I don't know, man. I think it's a yin yang. <laughs> I think we're both right here in terms of i think your out your output does affect you but i think you at some point have to take responsibility for the things that happen and your your choices in life you know i i mean i think that it doesn't mean that it precludes your own personal responsibility for trying to ensure your well-being did you just kiss the microphone <laughs> just eat it no i'm just i'm just <laughs> playing around hey go, going back to nihilism Sorry. have you ever seen <laughs> have you ever seen the work of eric andre uh only a little bit. Only a little bit. You got to watch him, man. See, if I had like a TV, I just put up Eric Andre skits for like 20 minutes. Seriously, look into him. He's a blast. Okay. 
How did the, how, how does it relate to nihilism? Sorry. Um. So he's he he just does things that fuck up. Just just that throw away society and be like, hey, everything you know is kind of propped up by social, social uh, constructs. Like everything from sleeping to how you visualize or like how you imagine okay. what death is. Can you can you tell? Okay, I've been talking with people <laughs> all week about how you believe that sleep is a social construct. It's not. Please go. <laughs> That's Why? So funny. Um. So. How would we go about this? That's so funny. See, it's not until someone actually challenges your thought that you have to get it into paper. Um, you can <laughs> you can survive without sleeping for a day. Okay. Okay. And if you just stopped sleeping indefinitely for months on end, you would die. How would you die? What would be the mechanism of action of how you would die? That's my question. Okay. So, I don't know if you've ever looked into the people who've tried to not sleep. There's a guy who had the world record for not sleeping or did he die believes that he has the world record for not sleeping You're taking off faith um, that this science happened uh on for somebody who didn't take amphetamines um okay nice yeah um and he this guy was awake for like 13 days mm -hmm. and it destroyed him you yeah. lose like your brain starts to deteriorate you need sleep to recover well to what is sleep what is sleep sleep is your brain waves changing from wakefulness like the the higher like like beta and stuff to more alpha and theta brain waves so you can replace sleep with meditation that's a fact that's been widely known maybe not completely but people who meditate for 40 years say i can sleep maybe three hours a night you can go indefinitely without sleeping sleep is a social I construct to the point where there's something called um, fatal familial insomnia ffi where people at a certain age around 40 or 50 lose the ability to fall asleep and they tend to deteriorate and die after around six months oh so they die yeah, but they died. But, but no, but that's the interesting thing is because scientists are telling them like, oh man, you can't sleep. Like, they. So you think they die because scientists have told them that they're yes. going to die? Yes, I believe your thoughts are your creation. If you think you're going to die from something, you're probably going to die from that thing. Oh my god. <laughs> well, how can you, how can you argue? It's a faith based thing. Like you, you'd be like arguing against. It's it's a new religion. I'm going to make it a new religion of yourself. I'm just wanting everyone to like believe like, hey, like literally your thoughts are some of the most powerful things in the entire, I'm sure it's not my own religion, it's Buddhism or whatever along those lines. But I mean, if you didn't sleep tonight, you'd feel a bit worse. But after a while of just being alone with your thoughts, man, like, I don't know, you get to some interesting play. Do you meditate? Uh, only occasionally in my life. It, it is something that I want to do more. But I and you've done all nighters. You've gone without sleeping. Yes. And you feel worse the next day. Oh, I feel terrible the and next day. And you feel day. better when you meditate, though. Hypothetically, I guess you haven't meditated. I, I mean, because I, it changes your brainwaves. So, so, so I asked these fake questions. I actually know the solution. So if you stop sleeping, your brain, your brain as long as you, if you're not like a, a good meditator, like all these different side guru and all these people, your brain never goes out of the, the, the brainwaves that are like the, the wakefulness and into like this resting one that allows your brain to be like clean, consolidate memories, and then get ready for the next day. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point in my life, I'm going to try to go indefinitely without sleeping. Not now. I'm definitely not ready. But I think I think eventually someone could go permanently without sleeping. You definitely have to go rest in a very meditative time or place, but you can remain conscious throughout sleep, I believe. Okay. I. You can you can keep your conscious because sleep is turning off your consciousness, right? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. I am not a neuroscientist. That's I so don't funny. know enough if, about. If there are like, any the neuroscientists and they're hearing me and being sleep. like, "Tiger, you, you dumbass, come <laughs> on my show." I'm just asking questions. I'm just saying people don't look into it. It's a social construct. Oh, you're supposed to sleep eight hours a day. And you're supposed to three eat, eat three meals a day. 
well, we know we're not supposed to eat three meals a day. That's just blatantly not how it is. It's a social construct. Yeah, but we all need to eat and we all do need to sleep. Yeah, but not as much as you, you say. The way that we sleep might be a social construct. We, yep. might, we might not need to sleep yeah, as sleep, much as we do. What or we, we might what need we to perceive sleep in a sleep. different way that we do. Or yes. We might, but it doesn't mean that sleep in general is a social construct. Yes, sleep, the how we view sleep is a social construct. The thing that you're supposed to go and sleep for eight or nine hours is a social construct. There, there are tons and tons and tons of people in other cultures that don't have that. They have a different social construct of what sleep is to them. And our social construct of food is that we're supposed to eat three meals a day. Other cultures have a social construct of you just eat once or twice a day. All these basic necessities are just social constructs. They they change society, man, has changed how you, <laughs> has dictated how you think of things. And if you go back, like, wait, well, why are you going to go to sleep right now if it's 10 p.m.? You're like, oh, because that's when people go to sleep. I guess that's what society told me about. That's a bedtime, maybe. But sometimes it's 10 p.m. and you're not really sleepy, and you could just stay up for another couple hours and then sleep from like 3 p.m. till 11 a.m. Or you know, I don't know, man. Sleep, sleep. Some someone else supposedly some system telling you when you need to go to sleep and wake up is the definition of a social construct. It's a society constructed way for you to spend your time. Okay. Right. Uh, you definitely need to sleep. I'm not arguing that you don't need to sleep. I'm not arguing that you don't need to eat. Obviously you need to eat. Like the rubber hits the road at some point you need to eat. <laughs> you need to sleep. But I'm saying the way we view sleep right now is a social construct. You don't need to sleep eight hours a day. I mean, you might need to sleep eight hours a day, but then why? Like, why? Just so your brain can... What happens Function. in those eight hours, man? All right. You, you recover. You recover? You think you need eight hours to do it? I don't know. I, it gets to a bunch of interesting places. I want to talk to some neuroscientists about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to... I don't even know. I'm <laughs> we're, sorry for we're even gonna, bringing this up because so <laughs> I've just been... <laughs> well, like, I've spent some time thinking. I mean, I sleep every night. It's not like I just don't sleep. Like, occasionally I'll go, like, you know, like, I at least sleep. I turn off my consciousness at some point in the night and I turn it back on. And I tend to feel better when I've turned it off for longer, you know, like I'll give into that. But it's, not, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's a funny way of thinking about it, isn't it? But it's true. I don't know. I mean, it's something you do for eight hours a day every day of your life. How much have you thought about what sleep is? Something that takes up eight hours of your day every day. Have you really put that much thought into where's that time going? No, that's an interesting thing that people don't think about what they do. When you're sleeping? Just, where's your time going? You have 24 hours in a day. And if you're not thinking about where eight hours of that time going, and you definitely don't, like if you wake up in the morning and you go get coffee and then you set it down and you like force yourself to shit and eat and then you drive and you're, you're still brainless through the whole commute and then you go and you work and if it's a mindless job, like that could be automated, you work all day and then you come home and then you just want to shut it off so then you just put on TV all night and then you go back to sleep. At what point in that were you conscious? I think a lot of people go through their life having life just happen at them and not like being like, hey, I'm making conscious decisions. Like when you drive home, I'd encourage you to do it without the map and go try to go in a different route and just like actually engaging your mind. It's interesting. And then when it comes time to go to bed, you realize you might not be able to turn it off because your consciousness, it, it wants to learn. It's like a sensory organ. Your body has a sensory organ for your mind. And if you wake it up and say, oh, like you open it up this eye, you'll be like, holy cow, I want to look out of it. I don't know, man. So are you if you keep your eye open too long, yeah, it dries out. <laughs> I'm just lost as to where we've got. Um, you, you, you think sleep isn't a social construct. And I'd argue that every single thing that you view 
is a social construct and including how you view death like a lot of other cultures societies tell you oh the death is like this reincarnation process and you're just like at this part of it they view death fundamentally differently than you because of their society yes Okay, okay, so death I, is a social construct. We can okay, we can agree that the way we think about all of these things are social constructs. Beautiful. Beautiful. But obviously you have to die someday. Like it's not death isn't a social construct as in it doesn't happen. Yes. It still happens, but what you view happens when you die is a social construct. The view of what happens when you sleep or if you need to sleep or how much you need to sleep or when you need to go to bed. It's all just society, like the current structure of society telling you need to go to bed at this time and wake up at this time because under capitalism, you need to wake up at that time if you want to go to work and be productive under that system. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we've just gone way Way the- off. Okay, okay. Let's, let's bring it back, man. You, no, you, no you we don't necessarily a- need to bring it back, but I don't know where you, we've gone. You, you believe the U.S. military is the single most harmful institution in the world that should be abolished or nerfed. I'm curious how you would say something along those lines. Oh, um, because I think the U.S. military does massive harms and is uh, one of the biggest uh, polluters in the world. We oh. talked about Costa Rica um, earlier. We did? Um, <laughs> you, well, you mentioned Costa Rica when you were talking about deforestation mm. way back in the beginning of this of this uh, hour and 30 journey. we're in an hour and 30 minutes oh how long have you God. would you have guessed it is um i don't know five hours <laughs> and also 10 minutes it's like such a i feel w- trapped by this mic and also wildly <laughs> can, empowered that's so funny right like these will be this will be there forever like whatever you say and i give you enough room like if you have thoughts you like you know like i'll even move the mic away and be like all right go go on that path i'm curious where you're going so you think the u.s military is a bad system i believe it has bad two system but i don't think it should be abolished i think it has a purpose i think it's just like crony capitalism where it's gone into its where it's feeding itself and then it wants to stay alive yeah i mean so what what should be the purpose of a military um it's for defense of the people typically right um or but the way that we use the military is we uh we talk what is it u.s navy is a global force for good um but uh, at the same time, we're, like, involving ourselves in all these, like, destabilizing conflicts that are not actually helping people. And then we um, don't receive them once we've destabilized yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst part of this um, whole system. So, like, if you think about, like, the entire wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, like, I think those were horrendous. The U.S. military is also the world's biggest polluter. I think I mentioned that already. Um, but it, Yeah, you did. Yeah, you uh, did. It's weird with hun- like thunder. Any sort of distractions, like if there's something on the table and thunder, like it can just snap you out of that line of thinking so easily, can't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. My it's goal like is to have the least amount of destruction. Room. It um, is. I I feel like this whole conversation has been distractions. That's so funny. <laughs> well, that's the fun part of it. Like if we were just like, all right, we're gonna get to the very bottom of socialism versus capitalism. There's been that argument by people who are smarter than us, and oh, they've had that. Yeah. So what would be the point of us going into this being like, oh, we're gonna get to the bottom of things? As us two 22 year olds are gonna definitely like just it'd be parroting what oh, we've heard. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I, like, I, I think that like originality is overrated. Um, yeah, I like that, man. Well, uh, I think 99% of what we output for a long time is I think 100% of what a lot of people output is regurgitated. And um, I think oh, you can so are you saying then that we're a product of our circumstances? If you're not conscious. <laughs> I think I think once you start realizing that and you say, "Okay, my output is at least going to I mean, who who out there is claiming that space isn't real, doctors aren't real?" <laughs> <laughs> kidding like like a lot of these things i'm like okay now i'm gonna start outputting my own stuff and yeah like a bunch of shitty water is gonna come out at the beginning but eventually i'm gonna refine my thoughts i don't know it's interesting man it's interesting thinking of 
I don't know, man. At some point in everyone's life, and it tends to be when either someone very close to them dies or they have a run-in with death, people become conscious. It's a very well... How do, how, okay, so how do you define conscious? That's that, I heard in one of your podcasts where you said you became conscious a month ago. What does that mean? So up until... Do you remember the decisions you were making when you were six? Were you consciously making decisions? I think so. In a lot of cases. What? No. I d- okay. You're I'm running completely off output. Okay, I distinctly remember a time in when I was in the third grade where I was like, "Oh, now I'm smart. Now I That's know." So <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, and before then, I was just like, "Well, I, I like I, I didn't believe that I knew anything that was going on." But in the third grade, I was like, "Okay, okay, I I can interpret the world now." Is- and you thought you were smart. So what if you then becoming conscious is realizing that the fact that you thought that at some point and were so incredibly wrong is now. I would argue that everything we know is that's propped up by society is fake. I believe all substances have a use. I believe death is a social construct and we should view it as a beautiful, peaceful leaving of this current body because you're not your body. That's where people get so afraid of death is they think, oh, this machine that's creating my consciousness is going to peter out. So I, I believe that this machine is creating my consciousness and so that... For that reason, I'm like, I'm scared of death. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally valid. Okay, cool. All right. I can agree with that. Like, if, if that's how you want to see it. But, like, why would you want to be scared of death? What utility does it have to be scared of death? And there could be. I mean, obviously, that's why a lot of people are doing genetics to try to keep stay alive longer and nutrition. I mean, I think death is important for motivating, motivating us to... That's the ultimate. At the end of it at all, it's just a scared of death, scared mm-hmm. of dying. I think that's in Bonavere's new album. He said it's all just scared of dying. Yeah. That's um, what it all is. Yeah. Our, that's the great our motivator. Our teacher. Um, Who? Mr. Karen. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I just reached out to him on Facebook. <laughs> I just found him on Facebook. Roscoe Karen. Yeah. I just reached out to him. I'm like, holy cow, man. I want to see if he's out there. Yeah. Uh, Do I, you talk to him? I, I have not talked to him for <sighs> years. But... Uh, I distinctly recall him having a quote in a yearbook when we were in middle school that said, life is miserable and unfair, then you die. Well, that's just what you, if you want life to be miserable and fair, I think sadness and all these different things are just self-imposed. I think society fetishizes sadness. That's a big thing that I'm pushing. People want, if you don't want to be sad, why is so much of your input in your day sadness, sad music and propping up relationships where you're eventually going to be disappointed people go into things fetishizing set which is a totally valid thing at the bottom of it it feels good to feel emotions and sadness is an emotion that you can feel very strongly but people like have this weird thought about it where they're like but i don't want to feel sad and then it's like this uh cognitive dissonance where it's like you know deep down that you want to feel sadness otherwise you wouldn't have made the decisions that make you sad Obviously, there's examples like you get hit, you know, like someone punches you out of nowhere. You get like, like obviously accidents aside. I'm not saying those accidents, but I'm saying for the majority of things, you go into a relationship where you know it's not going to work out. You get a job that you know you're going to get fired from or all these different things. People are making conscious decisions to be sad. And then when they're sad, they don't just enjoy it. I think people should enjoy, cherish that, that strong feeling of emotion, being sad and stuff, man. Yes, I... Okay, so you went on this whole thing where you said, oh, we, like, sadness is being fetishized. Yeah. But then at the end, you said we should cherish that sadness. And I think uh, I ah. wholeheartedly agree on which that side we of that? need <laughs> on the, se- the latter half, the yes. second part where you were talking about where, where I think we need to embrace, like, sadness. When it happens. But we fetishize it emotions. as in we try to make it happen more often. I think, like, when it happens until you can get out of those cycles, like, en- enjoy it. But then eventually move yourself out of those systems. You don't need to be sad. 
like you don't need to keep doing these self-fulfilling cycles where you commit something. Okay, I'm going to get into this relationship where I know it doesn't work out because she's eventually going to have to move away in a, in a year. Um, and I won't be able to move with her. And then you start and you get really in depth and then the cycle fulfills and you're really but, sad. But okay. But are you trying to, fe are you fetishizing sadness in that case? Or are you just like diving I'm into a relationship happiness. I, because you we'll just want enjoy to it. be with said person yeah. and you really enjoy the time that you spend with them. Yes. And then you realize at the end of the road, you're going to be sad. It's okay to feel that sadness. It's great to feel sad. I but think we should cry more. Um, oh, I cry every week. I cry often. I cry probably every three days or so. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. It feels good, man. Yeah. Okay. Then but I, people feel sad and then they like, they don't feel that it's gen. Like they don't just enjoy the emotion of feeling sad is where I'm coming from. Like they feel sad and then they're like, man, I wish I didn't feel like this. So I'm like, well, you do because you clearly put the events in place that would make you feel this way. So just enjoy it. Enjoy the feeling of just like strong emotion. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Here's mm -hmm. here's what I'm curious about. What do you hope the I just want to ask you this because I feel like we've gone through this whole podcast and I don't have any expert knowledge in any of the things that I've recently talked about, but I'm also don't feel like I'm telling my story necessarily. Ah. Um Yeah, I moved away it? from that. I moved yeah. away from that. No, no, no. And, and this I, is me just ranting at guests. I now. don't okay. necessarily I don't necessarily think that's a problem. But I'm also like curious, like what do you what do you see as like this being for and and like why? Yeah, I guess so. I should have had you listen to episode seventeen before you came on. The show has really taken shape in terms of. I just want to sh talk about and battle ideas, man. Um, in ways that the outcome is actionable, people can can change the way that their thoughts and their actual life to lead better lives and start on cycles of happiness. And so I think the way that you're thinking about those things then, mm -hmm. um, comes from your thought that our consciousness leads to our lives and, yes. and our circumstances. Yes. And I, th I am coming from a different direction yep. where I think our material circumstances have so much influence over what our consciousness is like mm -hmm. that I think, you know, we're getting into all these like kind of abstract and like arbitrary conversations yeah. in my opinion. I think it's fun. It's Which fun to I battle is, ideas. I think it's so fun. I'm not telling you that you're wrong. I'm just telling where I'm coming from, you know, like that's how it's going to go. I'm going to yeah. be like, Hey, here's where I'm coming from. And why do you have that belief? And then at the bottom of the day, if you're like, well, I just have it. Then I'm like, that's not valid. You have to be able to talk about why you believe something. Yes. But I, so, but like wh where I'm coming from is, um, we're like talking about like, okay, how do we change our mindsets? How do we change like what is about ourselves? Yes. Whereas I think what I often think about and um, am trying to like work on is how do we change the world around us um, in order to make it so that we have the ability to live in these and different And that ways. right there is the fundamental problem with everyone, almost everyone, is they think it's easier to change the world than it is to change themselves. I don't think that's true. I don't, so, so that's the, the, okay. You don't think you can change yourself. You think it's easier to change the world than it is to change yourself. N no, but I think it's more important. No, it's not, man. If you change, that's how change happens. You change yourself. And then you're like, people around you see, oh, wow, Ty's leading a very happy and healthy life. Well, how's he doing that? And then you slowly change those really close around you. And then they start being happy and healthy and wealthy. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I, it doesn't I, change from some random person ranting at the system. Yeah, uh, it doesn't change from some random person ranting at the system. But it changes from hundreds, thousands, millions of people saying, okay, we need to build something different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean they're they're entirely valid. I think all revolutions are entirely valid. And and, and I think when we're talking about um, trying to change things and trying to change ourselves, I think 
I put a ton of stock in community. And nice. so I think that we need to change as like change with each other rather than trying to say, okay, I'm going to flip my mindset. I'm going to flip my mentality. Then everybody else is just going to kind of follow me. And mm. that's been a, I'm just, I'm just going to, because I want to bring it back to like environmentalism yeah. and um, environmental concerns is like one of the biggest ways that people often like say that we need to change everything about the environment is like, you know, make everybody become a vegetarian. Um, and like, so I've become a vegetarian, then all of these things are going to change and everybody else is going to become a vegetarian and like drive a little bit less. And but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the corporations. At, at the end of the day, I it doesn't make it easy for everybody to do so. My ah. goal is to make it so that change is accessible. Nice. Change is like something that other people can do. When we talk about like being an environmentalist, it shouldn't just be like, okay, I ha can afford to change my lifestyle and I know how I best need to change my lifestyle. So I'm going to change my lifestyle and then everybody else is going to follow me. Mm -hmm. We need to say, okay, how do we make it easy for other people to engage in environmentally conscious behaviors? How do we make it easy for our like ourselves to live within a world in which we are um, not uh, polluting and destroying our environment? Um, and so... In, in doing so, we need to change all of our systems. We, we can't, you know, rely on everybody to buy an electric car because no. a ton of people can't afford to buy electric Incredibly cars. Incredibly valid. Investment in public transportation, on the other hand, is much more accessible. It changes a lot more people's lives. I like um, it. And uh, so I think where I'm, where I'm going with this is that, like, so often I think we focus on the individual rather than the social. Yes. Um, and I think we need to focus a lot more heavily on the social and how we have social change in order to make it more accessible and easier for people to engage in those individual changes that also are important and I think also make big changes to the system but are um, – but like come when we work together as yeah. like a social body. There's power in numbers. That was a beautiful pitch. That was what I was trying to get you to say this whole time is, so where can people reach you if they want to follow your cause and support your cause? What do you want people to do? What's your call to action now? Okay. So I've been working a lot with a uh, group called the Sunrise Movement. And yeah. the Sunrise Movement is composed of young people um, across the country um, who are basically sick and tired of inaction on climate change um and of basically people in power not treating this as the crisis that it is um and so one of the things is like we have solutions today that can solve the climate crisis um when we talk uh when we like the green new deal has been in the news lately and that's because of work by the sunrise movement and it's um basically a a collection of these these best solutions that we have today that if we take action on and we change things um, and we implement more accessible public transportation and we ban new fossil fuel uh, developments and we focus on environmental justice and supporting communities who are going to be most affected by climate change and are already the most affected by climate change, then we can actually be able to solve the climate crisis. And, and so part of the thing is making the, the two, the two kind of aspects are recognizing that this is a crisis and saying, these are the solutions that we need to have. Um, so one of the biggest actions that's currently about to happen, um, is the cli global climate strike, which is happening September 20th to 27th. And the global climate strike, um, has been developed in large part as by the work of, um, youth activists, 
globally, including um, probably most notably, um, you talked very early on in this podcast about somebody taking a boat across the Atlantic. That was Greta Thunberg, Beautiful. who's a uh, youth climate activist um, who started striking for climate. And so one of the ways that we realize by looking back at other social movements in the U.S.'s past and internationally is that the way that we affect change um, as a popular movement is through mass non-cooperation. We're not going to get solutions to the climate crisis by trying to work through back channels of like Washington. We're not going to solve the climate crisis by even starting a new like uh, like environmental like uh, tech company and changing things. What we're going to do is we need to take the things that we already know are working and can work to help us um, both reduce our carbon emissions and adapt to a, uh, a carbon-free future that is also going to be warmer and weirder um, and say, uh, and say we need to take action. And so, the global climate strike is something that I would encourage everybody to go to. If you're interested, if you're in Eugene, where I think some of our listeners are from, uh, there Roughly will be about percent. About 40%. Wow, way to go. Um, um, so 40% of us, you can actually go do this. Where at? Uh, so there's going to be a kickoff event at the Wayne Morse Free Speech Plaza in downtown Eugene um, on September 20th at uh, around 1 p.m. It will actually start at 12. There's on the 20th. I'll put a link for this. I'll music. put this link in the, um, the stuff in the description. Yeah, and and so this is something that I think we need mass action in order to be able to encourage people to actually take, um, actually make big changes. Love it. I love people who have a, a call for action. And what about you? Do you want people to follow you on social media or anywhere? Uh, or do you have a thing that you're personally getting going? Maybe. If you follow the 350 Eugene Twitter account, um, I am currently one of the people who is managing that. Cool. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at... Um, Climate strike September 20th. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Love it. Um, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, um, you got a good message. You got a good call to action. I appreciate it. And I'm, oh, my gosh. And I'm looking forward to having you, you back on my show. No, so oh, close. Isn't that funny? How everything, wouldn't that have been a great way to end the show? <laughs> no. Um, and we're just cutting it just under two hours here. I appreciate your time, man. Um, oh, dear yeah. Lord. Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, to anyone who made it this far, I say congratulations um and uh other closing thoughts um take massive action uh in trying to fight climate change because it's the biggest crisis the most existential threat that we're facing Couldn't today um and we need massive action we need a green new deal um if you'd like to join the sunrise movement also um it's a movement of young people um, who are trying to enact change and we're trying to build as many folks as possible. There's going to be a sunrise um, meeting uh, event uh, on the U of O campus. You can follow Sunrise Eugene also on Instagram um, or on Facebook. Uh, and there will be a meeting on September 12th, which I believe is a Thursday. Um, all right, all right. This is too many closing thoughts. I'll put all this shit in the description. Just text it to me. I'll put it in the description. This is Time Williams, everyone. Lots of love. Bye. Goodbye.